Welcome to the Dance No Cap Podcast with your hosts, Archie, Jesse, Ifosa, Amber, and Jamil, where we discuss all things dance from our perspectives collectively and individually. Straightforward, no cap. So, if you are faint at heart, we do suggest that you possibly check out another podcast. But, if you want to stay with us, go ahead, grab you something to drink, grab you something to eat, and let's get into this next episode. Hello. So is it, is it love, is it love? Is it, is it? You and me, is it us? If it, if it, if it is, why the rush? I'd rather be here with you is enough. No, I don't need calm breeze, palm trees to feel at ease. Lay on the beach and let my bare feet breathe. I mean, you are truly something special to me. We lay beneath the stars, I'm tangled in your arms. I can't contain the sensation blazing within my heart. And I feel it every day, soon as I see your face. Girl, I want to celebrate, cause I hate to see you walk away. So let's stay, stay right here. Private getaway, escape right here. My love is always right here. Girl, it's just us in this cafe right here. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome to the Dance No Cap podcast. So excited to see you all and thank you for joining us today. Today we got the whole crew on. Rocking with us, we got Archie. Yo, yo. We got Fos Ifosa. What's good? Jamil Jamiel. Dilly Dilly. That's going to be my response. Dilly Dilly. We've got DJ Aphrodisiac, and you are listening to your favorite Moranita, Jackie. So, today's episode is kind of loosely related to the unfolding of a particular festival (laughs) in the last couple weeks. (laughs) See how I did that? I like that. I like like how you did that. No names names were dropped in that statement. You guys assume what you want to assume. It, it just some things unfolded recently and we got to talk about it. No yeah, cap. Exactly. And the reason I feel like a lot of people are talking about it, what has happened and essentially what I'm going to, I'm going to give you an overview in the spirit of the no cast podcast, which is that we try not to name drop. We try not to like bring negativity on any specific individual or event, but the general overview is that there was a festival that took place and due to I guess the organizers' choices, they decided to cancel the festival midway through. So they got through, I guess, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Saturday, the organizer sent a series of messages to artists, to attendees, saying that they would not be going further with the Sunday event, that all activity was ceased. And obviously there was a lot of commotion in the community, as I guess there should be, to go to an event, to pay a lot of money as an attendee, to not be able to receive the full value of your ticket, as an artist, not being able to, not being able to put on classes that you've worked so hard to, and being able to interact with the students in the way that you wanted to, and then the com- the, the concern about pay, compensation, that we didn't put all of our, we didn't do all of the work that we were contracted to do. A lot of us, when you're working in the back end industry as an artist, you're booked for these things about a year in advance. And when you're an artist, you, you're not only thinking about this schedule as a, I have to be there sort of thing, but you're thinking about this as these are the paychecks I expect to receive for the next year. And so having moments like this, when it doesn't go as planned can be a really big deal for everyone involved. So we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about it because it's not a unique situation. 
I know it's pretty shocking the way it happened and uh, I guess some of the events that have happened and the responses have been a little comical. But this is something that's really serious and it happens, a big one happens every year. But even worse are the times where the artists are still kind of suffering in the background, things are falling apart and we still put on a good show and nobody knows. So there's a lot of different things I feel like we're gonna talk about when it comes to this topic and festivals that fall apart, fire festival situations when it comes to dance. How does it happen? Why does it happen? How do we prevent it? How will we be discerning? How are we protecting ourselves as attendees, as artists? And how are we playing it smart as organizers? And how are we being realistic about what we can put on when we are making promises? This is everything we're gonna discuss today. So, Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, I know. What are you guys' initial thoughts? When you first heard about this festival that kind of kind of imploded on itself, what was you guys' initial reaction as you saw it happening? I feel bad for the organizer because, I mean, I, I, really, I really do feel bad because honestly, let's be honest, stuff is expensive. Like, when you're doing an event, you can't even imagine the type, the cost and the unexpected cost that will come up. Stuff is expensive. It's just gotten more expensive post-COVID. And we all have these ideals and aspirations, but stuff is expensive. So I think we yeah, all- Yeah, Amber, aren't you putting on, you're putting on the Bridgerton events. Yeah. Like everyone go check out the Bridgerton events. So you're putting on, your, you're organizing for the first time. What are some of the things that are surprising to you? Because you've been an artist in the industry for a while. And I think as an artist, you get somewhat of a preview of what it takes to run a festival, but it's a very different point of view when you're responsible for it and you have to be the one making the decisions and forecasting and planning. So what are the things that you're finding right now on first your journey? Off, first off, a venue. I really honestly could not find a venue under $1,500. Most were talking yeah. about three to five thousand dollars, and I wasn't expecting more than forty to fifty people at this. So this is like a local theme dance party. So obviously, unless the tickets are a hundred, a hundred fifty dollars, I can't afford that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Thankfully, yeah. And and you're not you're not talking about hotels. You're talking about studios or like regular yeah. spaces where people wouldn't even like be able to sleep there. Right. I'm not talking about hotels. The hotels were even more. Or they had like this huge catering. Thankfully, I got the venue for free. <laughs> so that, oh, nice. Yeah, that helped like tremendously. But yeah, just the venue is, I, I hear post-COVID, venues costs are astronomical. Like this is what yeah. every organizer is saying to me. So it's just stuff. Inflation is bad. Stuff is just getting really, really expensive. And keep in mind, not only searching for a venue, like searching for a venue by itself is like a huge part of organizing, but you're not only searching for an affordable venue, but you're searching for a venue that's going to be okay with the fact that we will be in your studio all day taking classes. We want to be in your studio all night until the break of dawn dancing. And most venues don't operate that way. Most of them have a closing time. That's relatively early, like midnight, 1 a.m. So finding one that's going to be accommodating for the needs of the attendees on top of being relatively affordable, that's tough. And they are expensive. It costs a pretty penny just for the venue by itself. And we're not talking about, sorry, just to add on, when you're thinking about organizing fees and you're thinking about putting things together, you're talking about the venue is a cost, all right? 
Then we're also thinking about the artists. The artists require flights, they require a place to stay, they require food throughout the weekend. You're talking about marketing, so you're paying for flyers to be made, several flyers, because organizers don't just have one or two flyers, they have about 10. They need individual pictures for everybody. Those little frames that you get that you put over your profile picture, that's a cost. You're talking about, there's so many small things that go into putting together festivals and all of those things cost money. The videographers, the, the photographers, all of those extras that we all look for and expect as like a standard at festivals, those things add up. So by itself, by the end of planning and putting together a festival, even if it's a tiny weekender, you could be in the whole 70K easy, like easy days, you could be in their 70K. And if you're putting on something larger with a lot of top tier artists and their rates are relatively expensive, it's not hard to get into the six figures of dance. Not everyone has that money out of pocket and not you're putting up that money up front, by the way, like almost a year in advance, hoping that people will buy tickets, hoping you've got the right formula, hoping you can market enough, hoping that you're not interfering with anybody else hoping nobody else puts another festival date near yours. No. This is this is a big risk and it's a big gamble to do, especially if you're brand new. What's that face, Archie? What you thinking? <laughs> I'm thinking a lot. I'm thinking a, a whole lot. lot. I think that I think that too many organizers jump headfirst into something they don't know about too fast. Mm. Yeah. Like if it's your first time organizing, you shouldn't do a weekender or or, or a yeah. night party first. Like there's no reason you should be in a place that you're bringing in 10 instructors and 10 DJs for 3 days when it's your first time ever hosting something. That's just my personal opinion. I understand people want to do big stuff and I think that what happens is it's a combination of trying to keep up with the Joneses while at the same time allowing your eyes to be bigger than your stomach. And mm -hmm. then you end up in the hole and you end up in the hole with money. And that's not fun. Mm -hmm. no, it's not. Like it's not fun to be in the hole 10, $15,000 and you realizing if I don't pay for this out of my personal bank account, then I'm screwed. Like you don't want to be in that position. And I feel like one way to kind of allow yourself to not be in that position is if you start off slower, do less people, like bring less instructors and less DJs and then hire them to do more hours versus hiring double and splitting those same hours amongst 10 people. But that, guess what? You just paid for double the amount of hotels and double the amount of flights. And it's just like ways to do it. I would say before, even starting to do smaller events, I would suggest that you volunteer, especially on the back end processes or processes of things. Mm -hmm. Learn how ticketing work, learn how introducing people, inviting people, learn how to just network within the within the background of things. So that way you understand how things are happening, how things get created, and also how things fail and where things can be improved and then how also how things get added on or suggested how feedback gets taken learn those things because that will help set you up for the smaller events whether it be a nice social practica weekender etc 
Yeah, I agree. You know, I was just no, just gonna just kind of just pile on top of that, like, like basically crawling before you run, essentially, right? And also volunteering. I think, like you said, it helps helps you see what, like what what happens when things fail and what that looks like, and then how people are able to recover. Because it is it's a bitch learning by trial by fire, isn't it? As we've all seen and have seen in the past, mm-hmm. your reputation gets fucking shredded, right? Mm-hmm. Like as again, we're also seeing now with all the memes and everything like that. It, your your reputation, your your trustworthiness, all of that just fucking goes right in the toilet. And just even as a human being, that's it's if you don't have anything, you got your your reputation, your word and and your appearance and if you lose your reputation and your word with folks then you really don't got shit when it comes to messing with people's money it's already a very even more of a thin thing you screw people over one time it's going to be very hard to get those people back in on your team or wanting to support you with their money yeah let me let me tell y'all i mean i've had a failed event i don't know if y'all remember we had our dj event Kishella. Oh yeah, I remember Kiss yeah, Chella. Kiss Chella, bro. I've never heard about yep. that. Yes, we had Kiss Chella, and it was supposed to be all DJs like twenty four hours. And what happened was Coachella. I remember this. Threatened us, saying yeah. we can't use wow. the name. Wow. I remember this. Right. I remember. And we just like wow. totally lost momentum. Like we just so we had to cancel wow. actually. Just had to cancel the whole event. I mean, Bro, I'm telling you, one podcast episode we need to do on just like, just walk through everything from the last ten years. Because every time we talk, I feel like I remember something that I forgot about. I forgot about Kizchella. That's crazy. <laughs> it legitimately feels sometimes like we've lived thirty different lives in the past like five ten years. <laughs> How the much crazy stuff we've part about this. Is that it's happening? There's something similar with the whole, what was it called, the LA Zook Marathon? Oh, uh, yeah, it naming, is. Yep. It is. Yep. I the mean, naming. It is. I think Coachella had a stronger argument than the LA. I agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree. Just I agree. to give some background information, if you are not in the Brazilian Zook scene, there is a Chinese company entity that is claiming that they have copyright to the name Zook, and they are now which makes no uh, sense. It's, it's insane, but I mean, legally, if you have the copyright, it's about money, right? So what they're doing is they are reaching out to organizers that have the name Zook in their name and sending them cease and desist letters saying that they cannot use the word Zook because they own rights to it. And there's more behind it. Apparently, they're opening a nightclub in LA or Las Vegas. It's called Zook. Copyright law is, it sucks. It's a little sticky. It's a lot of a game of who has money because... I don't know. We should have a whole lawyer to talk about it. I know general basic we stuff, sh- but yeah, thanks. We should. Keep like, this on I'm track. Literally in my, it, oh, yeah, keep it on topic because I was totally about to go off. <laughs> yeah, I know. We just I really want to just like, I know. About the, I know. About I know. Stuff. I know. Stuff. But I'm going to be the conductor and say back to organizing. Yes. yes. A lot of people want to jump into organizing and they, I think, do it for a lot of different reasons. There's people that are beautiful hearted people that want to do it for their community because they want to build because they see new artists coming up and they want to give them an opportunity there are people that do it because Mm -hmm. they're really good at event organizing and it's just their day job and there's people that do it i think 
out of ego. And that's where we start to get tripped up is you want to walk before you can run because you want the praise, you want the accolades, you want to be seen, you want to be the one that has the control and the power. And I think honestly, there's a reason why organizers get so highly praised. There's a reason why so many people are so, they have so much to say when they have a good organizing experience because this person has not just put together an amazing event, but they have jumped over the inevitable hurdles that come with organizing seamlessly. There's mm -hmm. not been a single festival that I've been to that has been perfect from start to finish. Yeah. But what makes an amazing organizer is what you guys said, is they've learned how to pick themselves up and keep running with nobody knowing in the foreground that something's happening. And I mentioned this a little bit earlier in the episode that there's 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 been festivals where it legitimately, like there's fires, like, one of my friends put together a festival in Ohio and their headliner was coming in from Europe. And if you're an organizer that works with any sort of artists that are international, there's always this like sweating, like breaking down moment, the days that they're coming in because you're not sure about whether their visas are gonna come through. I don't know what it is about European artists, but at least one a festival will miss their flight, which means you have to kind of rearrange the festival lineup in order to accommodate some of these things. So my friend from Ohio that was putting together the festival, I'm just going to shout her out because I think she's amazing. Shalon Wheeler, Matthew Rivera, this is Kizomba, they're amazing. So the day of the festival, I think it was Friday night, the headliner canceled and said that they were not coming. And they managed to get somebody on the plane, contact somebody, get them on the plane within hours. And they were there the next day to fill in the gaps and attendees didn't know. But that was several thousand dollars in flights lost. That was them staying up sleeplessly while trying to run the festival, trying to get another artist booked. And if you've ever booked an artist, doing it ahead of time with a lot of like preparedness is stressful. But having to do it while your festival is going on and trying to get them there immediately, insane. And so having that background experience of volunteering and watching those people around you who are putting holding it all together watching how they interact with other people watching how they have teams in the background how they delegate certain tasks to different people so that they're not the only ones with their ship hands on the helm it's important and even if you're not organizing or you're not volunteering in a large organized festival there's something to be learned about working with somebody who organizes weekly like holding together a weekly regularly scheduled event is just as stressful as a whole weekender event. Yeah. Yeah, I can agree with that. And that's why I go back to what I said earlier, like figuring out things that you can do on the smaller end at the beginning and then jumping into bigger situations. As you get more and more experience, as you gain a bigger team, because you, you said one thing that I think was really, really good whenever you said, there are organizers that are that one of the things that that made a festival really good is organizers are able to do things on the fly behind the scenes without it causing a big shakeup. And I think that that's very true. And I think that one of the things with that as well is honesty, like an organizer being honest, an organizer being humble, another an organizer admitting whenever they made a mistake. I would respect somebody that hired me or somebody's event that I went to. I would respect them and be willing to support them way more if they just came out and was like, hey, man, I screwed this up. 
This is how I want to fix it, though. I'm really, really sorry. Boom. Versus trying trying to play people like they're stupid, like pissing on people and acting like it's rain. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just For not, real. That's, that, that kind of stuff is something that makes me view somebody very highly whenever it comes to anything that they're doing. That's a so crazy how many times as an artist... Yeah, but how many times as an artist have you had an organizer reach out to you and be like, hey, I messed up the schedule or I'm having an issue with getting this artist in. Can I switch you in the slot and can I have you fill in? And that sort of communication goes way further because the energy of the festival, the festival experience is an ecosystem, right? It's an ecosystem with the organizer, the artist and the attendees. And the ecosystem only exists if we're all working in harmony. So organizers learning how to interact with that ecosystem and use the power that they have with these artists who are always willing to jump up and help to make sure the vibe maintains, to make sure that we can roll through seamlessly. We're all willing to do that, but it takes experience in knowing that one, that ecosystem does coexist. Like it's not like all compartmentalized and that it has to flow together. And then two, it takes knowing who to reach out to when these issues arise. Like what are the... What are the fixes that people generally expect to have come have to do? Like artists having schedules moved around, such an easy deal. It's not something that's crazy. We all do it. But do you know that as an attendee, like as a first time organizer, is that something that you're aware of? Yeah. This is on the subject of folks like working with other organizers. One thing I'm seeing is somebody that we all know, Chinky in, in Richmond, Virginia, volunteering and working kind of... I don't want to say underneath, but like we're working to help put together and, and organize the DC Zook Festival or DC or Zook Heat or whatever, volunteering and helping out. I feel like she's learning the inner workings of organizing from Teresa, somebody who's got a couple more years under her belt with organizing these festivals. And so just to see them work together is a beautiful thing and gives me hope anyway, not to throw Chinky under the bus or anything, but like, I think some good things are going to be coming out of Richmond at some point in the future because of this, I don't want to necessarily call it apprenticeship, but you know, like just, just latching on to somebody like you're saying, who has a little bit more experience and y'all can grow and learn, or you can grow and learn from this person. And like Afosa was saying, to volunteer inside of the thing and inside of a festival, a big festival, and to see the inner workings and what works, what doesn't work, how to go about handling certain artists and whatnot. I think that's, I think that's one of the right ways to do it. And so just to jump out there, Put on a whole festival, super risky. I don't. Hey, man, this is what you want to do. It's what you feel called to do. Go mm. ahead and do it. No, like, don't just rush into it. Rolling the dice. Don't roll the dice. Don't just rush into it. Rush into it if it's yeah. Rush into it if it's you and like your cousin and your sister and your mama. And but don't rush into it. Y'all don't rich. rush into it if you like got a hundred people that don't know you from Adam sending you money to buy tickets. Yes. No, don't. Super true, but like the phrase exists. It says it says it's an ancient Chinese proverb. I believe it says a uh, fuck around and find out. Uh, oh, Jesus. Um, uh, I believe I believe that's how it goes. I think Confucius yeah. might have said it. I don't. I'm not Maybe. too sure. Maybe y'all might want to fact check me on that. <laughs> one, like, of, one of them, he he might have been the one who said that back then. Oh my god! Fuck around and find out. I I have a question. From the book of I, I know I know, I know Jesse has a, a timeline, but and you can jump us back onto the timeline. But I have a question gotcha. that mm-hmm. is it is that is ties into that statement. But interesting. What do you feel about the weight of what an artist contract 
whenever they're hired actually like how much weight does it actually hold in your head not, not nothing really because nothing really especially with the way you people have a contract and you could you still see them online saying yo my money's not I, here yeah so and like yeah and organizers and honestly the the contract is nice in case it's something I'm sorry, I just can't stop laughing. What looking like is you gonna have a contract one hand and still an empty hand in the other. Like, what you gonna do? Like, like it's yeah. difficult because a lot of these organizers don't live in your city. So yeah, you can That's go to small claims court and you can sue them, but by the time you get to the end of the lawsuit, you're gonna have legal fees, wasted time, and still no money. <laughs> And that's what's so interesting about it is like, and that's why like, I believe that you got to protect yourself on the front end. But the reason it even ties it to what Jamil just said is because like, I'm like, what, what, what holds more weight, my fist or this piece of paper? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, you know, you, you know yeah, what I'm saying? No, you, you like, know the I, if, I come, if I come find you in your city. <laughs> or, or or if I'm gonna email you this piece of paper, like which one holds more weight? Yeah, you already know the answer to that question. <laughs> That's what makes it so interesting in comparison to like, like having a contract within like a company, yeah. to where you. Because another question that I always that I ask in my head for people is like, if like for somebody that has a contract, is like, well, do you have a lawyer? Like, do you personally have a lawyer? Because if the answer to that is no, then I ask, like, how prepared are you to take action with your contract? Or is it simply something that you have to kind of like as a scare tactic? You know what I'm saying? For real, because it's like one, if the if the organizer has no collateral, then you're suing against dirt. Like, what are you getting out of this? Like broke divided by broke equals broke. So you're not going to get anything out of this. But like, secondly, there's nothing that kills me more like these new age organizers than them posting up and being like signed our legal team. It's like, first of all, no, you didn't, because there's no way that a legal team would advise you to say any of this stuff. But you're going to need a lawyer because now you're crossing state lines like you're talking about compensation across state lines. And do you have a proper business LLC? Do you have an understanding of like, were you a contract? Like mm -hmm. what kind of paycheck? What's the pay stub? It, it's just it's a lot. It's a lot, and it me it to me it it makes me want to tell people you have to be way more proactive on the front end of hiring and put way more of your expectation or weight on the front end of hiring versus on the how you would react if something went bad. You know? Okay, so that's actually perfect because that transitions into the artist side of it, right? So I mentioned a little bit earlier that as artists, there is always a hiccup at events. There's small ones, there's big ones, but you always have to recover and you still have a job to do. Because at the end of the day, the attendees really don't care that you lost your luggage. They paid for a ticket and they deserve to get the classes that they paid for. So as an artist, I think the more seasoned ones will tell you that there's always red flags of people that you should avoid ahead of time, right? Or there's red flags leading up to the event that are going to tell you this may not this may not go the way you think that it's going to go, right? Like you're going to go, and there's a chance that you might not get paid. Like is that is that enough for you? You still willing to follow through? Because what happens is you get there, you risk maybe not having a place to stay, maybe not getting fed, 
or whatever else. But at the end of the day, the attendees are, they're always informed of what you've been through to get to this point. All that they know and all that they feel and all that they experience is that I just paid $3,000 for a weekender and the DJ or the artist that I expected to take classes from or hear, they're not here anymore. And that's something that stays on your name rather than the organizer's name. So first I wanna ask, what are your red flags, our more seasoned hired artists here, when you're being reached out to by an organizer that make you say, I'm not doing that? I think bad response rate, like they, they message you and say, yo, we need this, this and that. And then you ask a question and you literally just responded within five seconds. It takes them a whole couple of hours, a day, a week, month, even to respond to that question. And usually they respond to that question because they want to say something else to you as well, too. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yo, mm -hmm. you, me and you, I lit, it was only five seconds that literally passed. Respond to my, respond to my question within that five seconds. <laughs> like it, it don't take that long. Hmm. Red so I'm gonna, flags. That, that to me. I'm going to, yeah, that's go bad. ahead. I'm going to talk about why some of these things are red flags. <laughs> so flyers that are done poorly generally indicate a lack of understanding of what you should be investing your money and time into. Or they indicate that already behind the scenes, somebody is not paying attention to the details or they're not communicating well enough. Like something about flyers, if there's a poorly done flyer, it just never fails that the event is somewhat sketchy. So that's number one for what Amber said, dead ass true. I will not, I will say no to organizers that don't have a good website, Facebook event put together, flyer, all that stuff is red flags for me responsiveness also generally in my opinion mentally when people are unresponsive or they are avoiding or they are procrastinating on answering something it's because they don't have the answer or the answer they are about to give you is not what you want to hear so that definitely back that up all right archie what's your red flags what you got a big red flag for me and it almost might not be it's not noticeable unless you seek it out and and what i mean by seek it out is you seek out the information so this is kind of like a red flag slash advice red flag is you should have a group of people that you can talk to about the event or the person if it's the first time the event has ever happened you should have a group of people because let's just be honest each genre or each dance scene is not too big that you don't know somebody connected to that person. And I would even go as far as to say that the dance world within itself as a whole is not too big that you don't know somebody connected to that person. So I would say have a group of people or a person that you can talk to and say, hey, tell me about this person or tell me about how this event was last year and base what like what that group of people says and take it in and, and also use your own discernment. But if they're telling you crazy stuff, that's a red flag. If they're telling you stuff about last year that was super sketchy or like if they were hired and they never got paid, that's a red flag. And that's something that I definitely, I definitely like adhere to myself as well. It's so true because unfortunately there are organizers that will go from city to city and kind of ruin the reputation of the city and kind of tear it down and leak it from money and then skip to the next city and then kind of scam everyone else. So as an artist checking in and saying like, hey, what have you heard about this person? What have you heard about their business practices is going to be a saver. We had one yeah. organizer in one of the cities that I lived in, not my current city, 
that had a reputation of city hopping. They were just on the loose and they threw an event in the city that I was at and they invited me to teach and I was totally on board. It's a lot safer to say yes to local events because I have my own house, I have my own trans transportation. Worst thing that can happen, I don't get paid, but it's my community, I'm willing to put the work in, right? So the organizer went through the whole festival and then the artist started getting hotel calls to their hotel asking, sorry. <laughs> So they got calls from the hotel asking, like, hey, do you have the contact or, or contact information for this organizer? This organizer actually owes us still like 30K and they've skipped out on the bill and we can't get a hold of them. So what's good? And it's like moments like that where you're <laughs> where you're like, it's a red flag. Somebody, somebody out there that has worked with this person has that sort of information. But if you're asking and investigating, it's not going to be something that you find on Facebook. It's not widely advertised mm, exactly a hundred percent there will be organizers that take advantage of the fact that there's a lot of new artists out there and they will prioritize who they pay and who they don't pay so there are some artists or some organizers especially when it comes to maybe scenes that aren't as respected or like urban kids that will hire some local urban kids artists bring them in and then not pay them but pay everyone else so well overall the festival has a really good rating. A lot of people have really good experiences about it, but the organizers picky and choosy. And there are certain festivals that like word of mouth underground, a lot of artists will not work with them because they do have a really longstanding tradition of not respecting certain mm -hmm. genres or certain instructors of certain nationalities. So you definitely have to keep your ear low to the ground and make sure that you're networking and using your artist community as a true community. All right, yeah. what else? What other icks y'all got? Hmm. I, I don't know how much of a red flag this is. Maybe this is just more of a like, what really grinds my gears type of deal is that when you get hired for a festival and they're doing the promoting for your genre, and this is a multi-genre dance festival, mm. and the posts that they make it features a Zook song, but the group that's playing the Zook is Kasaf. And you hear Zook la sa sa mini command ha ha ha. I'm like, that really grinds my gears because, like, yeah, you don't know what Brazilian Zook sounds like. You don't know the difference between Caribbean Zook and, and Brazilian Zook. Or, right, like, right, right. You could have even used a random RB song. You, <laughs> you could have Googled DJ Kaka, Archie, and Sizzle. You could have, but yeah. you just, well, you said, Zook, ah, this is clearly it. I'm going to use this. Yeah, yeah, that kind of stuff shows, and, yep. and I, yep. that kind of stuff shows me that, like, you, a person doesn't, I don't know, maybe, maybe they really do appreciate the genre and they want to bring it to their event. Maybe that's maybe me giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I'm saying? I know. I know exactly what you're saying. But it, what it shows me, what I see up front is I'm just like, you don't care about this genre. You just want to make money because you didn't you care didn't enough talk to, to do. Right. You didn't care enough to do a little bit of research to know you a didn't. little bit about what you're bringing to your event. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Yeah, so I, yeah. I agree with that. I concur. Yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah, that's an annoying thing for sure. When it comes to, I wasn't going to ask this, but I guess specifically 
actually anybody in here. When it comes to, because Jesse said something earlier and it got me thinking. And she said, as a person who's hired, your name is on the line whenever you are representing yourself or not representing yourself at an event. So, for example, if the organizer says, we're going to have a hotel room for you, we're going to pay all your fees and all your food will get taken care of Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And Friday happens and you have no food. And it comes to find out you have no hotel. And you're now being expected to still go on and work Saturday. Are you still doing that simply because you're like, well, the attendees have me here and they know that I'm going to be here and I, they're going to think that it's on me. So I have to kill, still work, but I have no faith that I'm getting paid. I just put out the money my own self to get a place to sleep. I just went and bought my own food, even though it was promised to me. So like, What's your thoughts on, do you still work? As for in your opinion, Ooh, personally. That's, that's a tough one. Because me personally, I I don't know how motivated I would be to feel like I still need to work. Because all of it, just kind of, all the things that I would need, with like a place to sleep, food, <laughs> I, the basic necessities, I would need that to be able to do my job effectively. If I'm having to cough it up, it basically gives indentured servitude anyway. So mm-hmm. I don't know how I would feel about doing it. I probably, it really depends because I still do think certain events, it's not just attendees coming in, it's other organizers. And now I'm not saying sure. you need to go out here and basically do the thing because other organizers are there, but I'm saying it's an opportunity for more mm-hmm. and better work because there are other people there. So I might still do it for that. And plus you got the occasional homies, like the real, not the people that just like your stuff, but the people that have been like you, you see, they come out. To- mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I think I think at, at the very least I would probably social dance and, and <laughs> dance with the attendees. Jamil said, "I'm gonna have a good night." <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Like show face to everybody, all, all the students and everything, and interact with them, social dancing, and, and kind of like a fossil was saying, like the homies would be there to talk, talk shit, whatever. That's a tough situation. This is one of those situations where I'm just going to say, if you're not obsessed with dance and you are not 100% like passionate with it, this is not the field for you. Like this is not the genre for you because I know I've been in situations and it's different because I'm not a full-time artist, right? Like my living, my... This definitely plays a humongous part. That part plays a huge part. huge. It's a huge difference in what you can and are willing to put up with and how you interact with people, right? Because for me... If an organizer steps at me sideways, I have no problems with saying something about your mama. Like, did you just come at me sideways? Your mama, your daddy, and your bald-headed granny. Biscuit head. Like, for real. But I don't need to dance. I can walk away from this situation and be okay. However, Mm. if you're a full-time artist and you're depending on these bookings, rebookings, you have to move different. You have to be a little bit more strategic in the way you bring up issues. And not only with the one organizer, but because... Organizers talk, they're gossips in a way that 
it protects them, but it also can be used almost as blackmail, as if you are not kind of putting up and putting on a good show and making it easy for me to get through my event, then I'm going to tell everyone that you are difficult to work with, that you are being demanding and a diva because you decided you needed vegan food. Like now you're going to be difficult to work with. And so it becomes a very, it's a difficult balancing act. For me, myself personally, I've worked at events definitely knowing that I wasn't going to get paid. I like stepped in here. I got out. I looked around and I'm like, yeah, things are definitely like the meme where there's like the dog and like the whole room's on fire. And he's like, this is fine. That's definitely what I felt like sometimes, right? Like this is a hot mess shit show. However, for me personally, it is worth it to go out there and make sure that the attendees have a good time because I may be missing out on a paycheck, but they have already invested that money. They spent money to come see me. And that's where I think the ecosystem of dance comes into play because organizers are hiring you not because not just because you're an artist and you have something to give, but they're hiring you so that they can get your following. This is a contact access point for you and the people that follow you. So if you know that people have spent thousands of dollars to come see you and talk to you and experience your energy, there almost becomes an ownership of now I want to show up the people that are showing up for me because they may not always remember like what you did or what you said, but they're going to remember what they felt like at the end of the experience. And so at the end of the event, even if they understand like there's a lot of circumstances, it's going to mean a lot to them and it's going to mean something to them to know that you still showed up for them, knowing that you weren't going to get paid. And then afterwards you talk your shit. You know what I mean? I've definitely had to go toe to toe with organizers and be like, listen, I know things are hard, but I just need you to talk to me and tell me, are we going to come up with a payment plan? Are we going to, like, how do I get the money in my pocket? Because I know things happen. And that's where I start to get, like, if you're not working with me, if you're not corresponding with me, then we're going to have some issues, friends. Like, we're going to need to have some deeper conversations. It may sound, this reminds me of a situation, like, where two parents are are arguing with each other or fighting with each other, but you do not want that that negativity to go towards their child exactly. that kind of reminds me of that exactly so yeah nah when you when you say it like that yeah you definitely show up because you don't want that to like the people who paid here they paid to be here and they came for you and you, it's best to show them that love it's so hard like you will literally listen to people and they're like this is my first event post-pandemic. I haven't felt safe going out yet. And I specifically chose this festival because I specifically wanted to come take classes with you and I want to take private lessons. Like you hear these stories of the investment and how discerning people were in choosing to come learn from you. Like it just puts, how much do you value that over the monetary of what's happening, right? Like that's a very, for me, I take that personal. I take that on. Like you guys put a lot out there. So I want to match energy and I want to show up for you in the same way. This is so interesting, and I'm about to spew a bunch of stuff right quick. Here we go. I think for me, in that situation, I show up, there's no hotel, there's no food. I may give them, I may give them Friday night. And, and I'm talking to them and I'm saying, as a warning, listen, if I don't have a hotel Saturday and Sunday, because I booked one night. If I don't have a hotel Saturday and Sunday, I'm going home. I'm hopping on a plane and I'm leaving. If Saturday comes and I have no hotel, I'm hopping on a plane and I'm going home. 
That's 100% what I'm doing. Because now I am so, and this is me as me right now in my stage of life, being in the dance and bringing the majority of my income from music and dance, I'm going home. And I feel like everything that you guys said, I understand. But I think that one huge thing that helps you protect yourself as a instructor, as an artist, as a DJ, is one, your character. So your character has to be above reproach in a way that an organizer that hires you is saying stuff about you and other organizers are like, what? That Mm. doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I believe that because your character is at a place where they've seen you work. They know how you move. Another thing, personally, and I don't say I have this amazing relationship with, and by amazing, by, by, by amazing, I don't mean by, if it's not amazing that it's horrible, but I'm just not, I don't know everybody like that. But I make it my aim to at least be on speaking terms to where I have conversations and I've had conversations with a lot of organizers. So another thing, if they're saying stuff, then they're like, I know Archie and I talked to Archie and that doesn't sound like Archie. I don't know what you're talking about. And then also your following. You have, and this is why I believe that it's important to be vocal about bad experiences because now you are taking the responsibility off of yourself and making it feel like you have to be the one that provides mm-hmm. this amazing experience, even though you are hired for an event. The organizer is mm-hmm. supposed to provide the experience. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. The organizer's event is providing the experience and they are hiring you to be a part of the experience that's being provided. So if you aren't getting what was promised to you, then that their experience isn't on you. It's on the organizer. And as a, as a person who's working, you have to really understand that because then that frees you from this weight of being like, I am now a slave. And I'm not like belittling actual slaves, but I'm saying I'm putting on a service and I'm working in a way and I'm not getting provided for it. I'm not getting what, I, what was promised to me for that. So and, and then where your following comes in is if you get online or if you have a group where like your DJ group or your instructor group or whatever, and you post like, I'm really sorry, guys. Like, I really wanted to be there. I really wanted to provide for you. But what was promised to me by the person who hired me was not given to me. And I felt really disrespected. I felt really put out and I can't not only I can't afford to work for free and not only work for free, but pay a lot of money in hotel fees and in food to work. I just can't do it the way my life is built. I'm really sorry. Like, I feel like if your people are really rocking with you, they're going to agree and they're going to be like, yeah, that's like really messed up. So that's why like whenever like it comes to that, I feel like more, more imp- emphasis on the person who's doing the hiring, providing the experience, I feel like that needs to be placed rather than the people who are hired thinking that they provide the soul, uh, fullness of the experience. When it's like you're providing part of the experience because the person who hired mm-hmm. all of you guys is responsible for the experience. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And you can't, it's it's a dynamic, right? It's the same ecosystem, right? The ecosystem has to work together to maintain the experience. So it's unfair if somebody's not holding up their part of providing for the experience to put the burden completely on somebody else, especially when they're not in the driver's seat and say, hey, thanks for coming to my dumpster fire. Let's turn this around and make it a good time. Good luck. Yeah, that's right. not fair. Exactly. And then I got to get home and explain to my spouse why I was gone for three days and I ain't make no money. <laughs> and she's like, you stayed there for three days and they make no money. What the heck is going on? And I'm like, yeah. I- hey, this generation, bro. this time? Nah, yeah. you can't do that That's anymore. what I'm saying. Right, that's, yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like. It's crazy. No, nah, nah, you're right. But all Especially of us got rent depends. and all of us got like bills and stuff. True. So I, go ahead. I, I think the reason I can say that and it's because I have the privilege of having like that income be another income being that's separate from the thing. But like if this was my main thing and not only that, I have a kid, a wife. Exactly. Yeah, fuck all that. I'm yeah. out. Like I'm not even going on the plane if if I can't if all this is going like yo, this terror like if I go there and find it and I, I have nothing, I'm going I'm going home the same day. Yeah. I think well, I can't. I can't even do it. I think mm-hmm. that I also think that, and we can, we can get into it later because I, I know you probably got other stuff. Because yeah. I really want to get into pointing at some things that helps people hired, that helps protect people, themselves. yeah, protect themselves. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I just want to say, like, as a as an ecosystem, right? We talked. I'm going to just start referring to this as the ecosystem, right? The artists, the organizers, the attendees. I think that part of what is going to fix this. And what's going to make this better is if we kind of shatter this illusion that the organizers and the attendees try to maintain of like dance is this magical safe haven sanctuary where nothing bad ever happens. It's like Disneyland. It's amazing and it's perfect because I feel like this illusion that everything's perfect and nothing goes wrong is what prevents us from having honest conversations with the attendees. We're working hard to try and keep this little illusion for them because that's what we're selling to them. But like realistically, people are suffering at the cost of maintaining this illusion. And I feel like specifically the artists that are dependent on this full time, that are dependent on these organizers still reaching out to them and wanting to work with them and hire them, even under crappy circumstances, those are the people that suffer the most. And so I want to first, not to gas ourselves, but I'm proud of us for speaking honestly about things that have been underground um, Mm -hmm. that people have been afraid to say out loud. And I want to say that I've noticed an uptick of people making podcasts, which has been pretty cool. Like there's other podcasts popping up on the scene. There's people that have been a lot more vocal online on Facebook. I've seen a lot more Facebook lives. And I just want to encourage that sort of free speak and people willing to have these opening conversations, because I think that's going to be one of the biggest parts of healing and making this an actual sanctuary, an actual place where we coexist as a good ecosystem is being honest about the issues so we can resolve them and then move on to creating even better stuff. Yeah, I agree with all that for sure. It has been cool. It has been cool and mad encouraging seeing like people do create changes in like the way that they run events or in how they handle certain situations solely based on I won't say solely, but I'll say maybe we were like the straw that broke the camel's back for them. They were like, that little push, mm-hmm. whenever I heard y'all say that on the podcast, really mm-hmm. pushed me to do this or really pushed me to do that. That's been super cool. Mm-hmm. And not to gas ourselves, like this isn't an ego moment. This is being realistic that we do. Every time we drop an episode, there's somebody that reaches out to us and says, 
hey, I didn't realize this was an issue or thank you for making me aware that I wasn't the only one in this issue having this issue. I'm now going to do something about it. Or an organizer not understanding because they've never been an artist and they've never been hired and had to go up the ladder that way, not understanding the inconvenience and how much weight it puts on the artist, some of the choices that they make. Mm -hmm. And so even from we've got a lot of DJs on the podcast, them talking about how DJs are not they're not announced with the artists. They're almost like secondary citizens or they're not as big on the on the event flyers. We've had actually several organizers reach out to us and say, thank you for making me aware. Didn't realize that was something that was going to cause an issue. It's just what everyone's done. So I followed that line. But after we said that, they've now changed the way that they're treating DJs. And so again, not to gas ourselves, but I just want to make this, put this out there to say, when you are speaking from an energy of wanting to fix things rather than just anger and spite, when you're speaking about issues, people will listen and they will be willing to accommodate, but you have to be able to use your voice. Like you have to be the one to say something. You can't just wait for somebody else to do it. Like you have a lot of power. That's real. All right. What else is the fix y'all? What else we got to try and help our brother and coming up the ladder? I am actually curious. Are there any things we could have attendees? Mm-hmm. Because if we're going to, I guess, fix this ecosystem, are there any options or solutions or responsibilities for the attendees? Because like, as you said, this whole magic trick or magic show to be to illusion, I should do think it needs to disappear. So I feel like that would require certain responsibilities or expectations or certain actions to be taken from the attendees. How can an attendees so protect actually, themselves as yeah, well? Yeah, because they're, the cons- yeah. they're the consumers in this ecosystem. Yeah. So, so yeah. right. Yeah. And there's a couple things that I've seen. Number one, there was a festival where maybe this is a little bit more on the organizing side, but but this I, do, I think does protect attendees as well, because there are organizers that will sometimes leech from their community and say, hey, you're an attendee. I, I want to help build this community. Would you mind funding me $2,000, $5,000, $10,000 to put on this event? They put on the event. The person never gets paid, although technically they're not a ticket buying attendee, they still lose out on a lot of money because they help to fund that organizer. And there's just been a lot of people that have been kind of SOL, lost their money, the organizer moved to a different city and is still putting on events. And what's been coming up now is people are putting together class action lawsuits. So they're putting out in different communal Facebook groups saying, hey, this organizer took my money. Would you like to take part in this class action lawsuit that we're putting together to try and at the very least, stop them from taking more people's money and at the very best, get our money back. So it's one thing is there's power in coming together and using your voice together where one person may not be able to buy a lawyer. Certainly a group of 300, 400 people have the ability to do so. That's number one. Number two, this is a business. You know what I mean? Like these are people, these are transactional things. If it's a legit business, they should have their paperwork together. And if not, Put them on the fucking radar. Like call the the Better Business Bureau. Like start mm. using, don't forget that this is still a government and there's recourse for true. you. This is if true. You're not, if you're not, if you bought your ticket within a certain amount of time, you can call your credit card company and say, hey, this was a scam. I got, I don't know what the official words were, but like defrauded. Like I need to put a flag on my account. I would like that amount refunded. That's worked out for people as a like after effect of like, I didn't get what I paid for. So those are some, those are two things I've heard about. Mm-hmm. That's good. I think that also going, but even like with the people that are getting hired, like talk to people that know the person and that have been to the event before 
same thing I said earlier about people getting hired, but also you can you can apply that to people who are striving to attend an event. I will also say, watch the timeline. If you're seeing people, and when I say people, I mean artists withdraw from an event. That's exactly what I was going to say. Months, months in events. And it's not just one or two, but it's a couple of them. And yeah. then also, like, people are just having to be added to replace what's been lost. Like, that, that is a... That's a red flag. Red flag. Yeah, Spidey says this you should be going put off. Your, you shouldn't put your money... Yo, you shouldn't put your money in there, and not only that, you should warn, you should warn those close to you, like, hey, this is not where we should be investing our money and time in. Yeah, it's, it's it, it almost feels like, I was gonna say, it feels like the thing where you, <laughs> if you're just like in a crowd of people, and then you start seeing one, and then two people, and then three people start running the opposite direction, maybe 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 you should also you shouldn't be like here. You should be like, oh, I'm curious now. What's happening over that direction that's right. making them run away so fast? No, don't do that. You should you should also run the same direction that the crowd of people you, is running. You got dip. You um, got get your sonic shoes on and run. If there is one thing that is law by black people is if you see a black person running for their life, you start sprinting. You don't ask questions. You don't look around. You drop and run. So take that from our book, y'all. Don't don't stop and get yourself caught in that fire. If you see no. multiple people running in a in a certain direction, probably you should run too. Yeah, you should definitely <laughs> run too. And then while you run and be like, "What's going? What's what's happening? Yeah. What's happening? Why are we running?" Right, you know what I'm saying. For um, sure. Another red flag ahead of time is if I see venue changes if i see a really big venue change relatively close to the event i'm gonna start asking a lot of difficult questions because venues are hard to secure and usually organizers will do everything in their power to keep their venue no matter what so if you're within a month or two of the event and the venue has suddenly changed i don't know maybe think about yeah think about it think about before you you get on the flight start start asking questions like this is the biggest thing is like don't see something. I mean, I personally am always, I'm going to ask questions. I'm not going to see something and then just be like, I need a refund without asking anything. But ask questions. Talk to people. You know what I'm saying? Try to, like, who's in the city that the event is happening? And ask them, like, what's the word on the street? Like, what's happening over here that you're hearing about with this event? Because typically, it's so funny how people who are outside of the city of the event tend to think they know a lot and then you talk to people from the city and they be telling you all the tea and they be like bro no this is what's really going on so talk to people who live in that city and they can let you know what's up so true so true like we use i feel like the power of speech in dance for so many things i love it i love the meme era definitely bring it back but let's start using it for some common sense ask questions Ask questions from people that have interacted with the person in a business capacity. Don't ask somebody that's like, oh, we hang out all the time. They're cool. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of really cool people out there, but not everyone has their money together. Not everyone has like an organized plan. Not everyone knows how to work with a team. Not everyone. There's different sides of people. And so you need to ask if you're going as an attendee, ask somebody else that has attended that person's festival. If you're going as an artist. 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, if you're going as an artist, don't ask an attendee what that festival was like. I mean, yeah, it's valuable information for sure, but like, go ask another artist. Like, did you get paid? Did you get paid yeah. on time? Were they like accommodating? Were they communicative? Like, how was it working with them? There's just certain things you learn along the way. If you're a new artist, there are certain things that organizers are going to ask that are off the bat, like what you should expect. They should talk to you about rate, how many classes, how they're going to get you there, and where they're going to put you. If those aren't like some of the first few things that they're asking about when they're trying to hire you, like you should know, ask questions. Don't say don't, I don't say like completely knock the booking because there are some people that are learning and end up putting on a really good event. But these are just things that are triggering to me that say, let me take a step back and ask some questions. And then yeah. on the on the on the flip side, organizers, this is a really cool tip because I, the the most recent events that I've been booked for have started doing this, and I've had some in the past do it too. But I feel like it's becoming more common. So if you don't know about this, this might be a good thing for you. Whenever you hire somebody, send out like a survey, but it's not a survey. It's basically a form where they put their name, they put their artist name, they put like like the one that I just filled out, which was super dope. It was like. Cause all this stuff is in my, my rates and agreements before all this stuff is in my rates and agreements before, but it's dope because this helps them to be able to cover anybody who may not have a rates and agreement. So they get all this information and they're able to accommodate better. So it had stuff like your government name that we can book the hotel under. And then it had your artist name so that they're not putting your government name as your artist name because they don't know, or your Facebook name as your artist name because they don't know. Or, or like it had, do you, like the three options were, do you mind sharing a bed? Do you need to share, do you mind sharing a room? Do you need your own room? Choose an option. What's your dietary restrictions? Choose an option. One, this recent one said, what's your favorite energy drink and flavor? And then like you put that in there and you choose that or whatnot. And then it had, it had just a bunch of stuff. And I was like, see, this is legit. Yeah, this is legit. Those are. I've gotten those a couple of times. Those They're are nice. really helpful. Yeah. So it's like organizers, that might be something that you might want to think about doing. It'll help you on the back end. And then it'll help you to make the yeah. experience of the people you're hiring a lot better too. For sure. And uh, it's so teaches... funny because there, I cannot count the number of times where an organizer has put my hotel name or my flight as my Facebook name. And I'm like, my friend, that is not my government name. Bro, and so had... if you expect me to end up there and up on this flight, I'm going to need you to ask questions before you get so froggy. So these are all things I think organizers, you have to take into account. You have to really stop and think about like the details of things, like getting somebody to an event, just getting somebody in is a big deal. And so getting yeah. the details of that correct, making sure you've got their government name, making sure you're protecting all of the privacy, because there's a very big reason why certain artists don't want their government name out there or their phone numbers. Right. And so if you're collecting all that information, who on your team are you trusting with that information? Make sure you're securing it, locking it down. There's so much we could do. Like, I think we tried to kind of talk about it in the episode with Teresa, but there's just so much to talk about when it comes to organizing that I think maybe we're going to have to do some more episodes. Yeah, bring it back, man. There's a lot of badass organizers that are doing it a lot of different ways. Yeah, Yeah, because there's so many ways to, there's more than one way to skin a cat, right? So true. Big ups to Mark and Melissa for getting their work visa. Woo! We see too many times there are, for whatever reason, there are artists having to do the bootleg ghetto hey, slip through and all that stuff. But shout out to them for being able to get that paperwork and do all the things necessary so that they're set up to be able to work yeah. legally and, and mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. And shout out to the organizers who 
who refuse to hire artists without legitimate like work visas. Yeah, and like I know Teresa is really adamant on that nowadays. So like, mm. good for her. Get your shit together. You want to work yeah. in DC? Yeah. 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 yeah okay. Okay. I'm gonna do a quick shout out since we're talking about Mark and Melissa. I cannot wait to see them at Everzook. The No Cat Podcast will be live podcasting for the first time ever. Yo, if you don't have tickets for that, make sure you get them because that event's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna be live. Saturday and Sunday during dinner. Mm -hmm. So come through. It's going to be freaking dope. Mm -hmm. Super excited. Thank you, Leo, for giving us this opportunity. Like y'all thought, y'all thought you were getting something just with us recorded? Yeah, it's going to be live. It's going to be crazy for sure. Like one of us in a room together, like two of us in a room together is an energy. Three of us is a vibe. Just to like, four of us is chaos. Literally, (laughs) the podcast is recorded via like zoom basically so when we're all together in person it's just a whole nother type of energy it's really crazy mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but what i was saying was i i had to change my rates and agreements at the bottom and put my government name because i got booked for in a ho- i used to get booked for events in the past and it's happened to where they put archie and sizzle on the hotel name and it was just me there djing <laughs> and i was like here's my id archie and they're like who, we don't we have Archie and Sizzle and I was like, does it really say Archie and Sizzle on the hotel? <laughs> so I've had to like that was like years ago. I had to make sure at the bottom of my racing agreements highlighted it puts four hotel bookings. My government name is this. So yeah, that happened. That only um, feeds into the conspiracy theory that that Jesse loves to say that Archie or that Sizzle is not real. She be front like she's she be fronting like she's never danced with Sizzle before. Get out of here. Like she ain't never been body to body with the dude before on the dance floor. I'm just saying. But you know what? I haven't seen him in person, so I don't know. Ooh, she could be ooh, on to something. Maybe she's ooh. passing it on to you then, I guess, is what the, what the thing is. I'm just saying technology is really advanced. I know. It's just a lot it's of It's so advanced that I was... Tr- I was tricked on the dance floor in multiple cities. Get out of here, girl. Oh man, AI is AI is it's really is coming up in advancements. Like actors are Bro. on strike now, writers are on strike because of AI. You don't, Bro, you don't know is what funny. I'm saying. It's even funnier because Archie and Sizzle were in my apartment shooting a whole music oh video. Oh my gosh, bro. Yeah, get out of here. Literally, she was in our music video in Dallas and everything. Come on. <laughs> Anyways, that's funny. Maybe that was a hologram a- AI sizzle. Is what a- I'm saying. But, but yeah, is what I'm saying. But but I do <laughs> I do want to give some advice to people getting hired really quick. I, I want to tell them ways that you can ways that you can avoid being screwed over whenever it comes to getting hired from events. And this isn't this doesn't mean that there's it's never gonna happen, but. I feel like you have to learn as you go and I've learned a lot as I've gone. So hopefully what I've learned can kind of help you if you're maybe in the earlier stages. Number one that I would say is don't feel obligated to accept every booking that comes across your table. Don't feel like just because someone reaches out, that means you have to say yes because you don't be willing to turn events down because 
there's a lot of events that will end up making you more stressed and you'll be more screwed over at, at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I'll say in accordance to that is when you get hired, have a conversation with people that are hiring you about what you're being hired for. There are so many people that just take bookings and get the name of the event and the date and keep it moving. And I'm like, do you know anything about anything happening here outside of the name of the event and the date? Like get information. How long has it been happening? Ask information about the organizer. How long they've been in their city? How long have they been organizing? Like do research and even like just little, I'm not telling you gotta be freaking CSI or FBI or anything like that, but like do a little bit of research. That's, that's another thing that I would do. Go ahead, Jesse. Sounds like you're about to say something. Yes. I was just, dang it. Oh, so there are certain artists that have, I think it's really brilliant that they will not accept a booking and block it off on their calendar until they have a signed contract, but then also they see a Facebook event. Mm. So you can add layers to your contract to help protect you because I've had Mm. organizers that have said, yes, we're going to hire you, whatever else, but then they waste your time dilly-daddly, not to the last minute, like kind of playing games with you. So have mm-hmm. have some standards for yourself. Like don't be so booking thirsty. Like Archie said that you just say yes to everything don't and then forget the fact that you are also allowed to have standards when it comes with it. So I'm definitely one of those people that if I don't see a legitimate Facebook event or a website and we're just going off of vibes, I'm, I'm going to say like tentatively yes, but until I see you've got your stuff together, I'm not going to block that date off. Like if somebody comes along and ask me for that same date and they have their stuff more together, I'm going to say yes to that. Yeah. Yeah. I have, I have a certain low, I have a, basically it's basically a down payment. I have like a down payment system where I, it's not locked down until I get that. And that's how I work. If Frosa, you were about to say something, go ahead. Yeah. I wanted to ask you if any of you have a down payment system and how do you go about implementing that? I do. That's smart. It's a good way to do it because it shows like whether people yeah, are about their business. Like, are you on top of your stuff? Like, are you are you for real, for real? Are you willing to put money up front to make sure I yeah. get there? Right. Do you also have a cancellation fee as well? Too? My cancellation fee, yes. Because how it works for me is after a certain amount of time, anything that's canceled after that just stays with me. You don't get that money back. Yeah. And the reason that, that the reason that that's so important is because in that time, you could be getting booked for other events. Like, this is another reason why it's mm-hmm. like you, you don't be so willing to take everything that comes across your table for most, for a lot of the reasons we just said. But also, I've been in many situations. This is 100%. This is me being 100% honest. I've been in situations where I've been hired for an event. And we're all human. So that means we all lean towards certain things more than others. Like, we, we have preferences. I've been hired for an event. And then two months later, another event that I really want to go to reaches out to hire me on the same date. But guess what? I already am hired. So my priority goes to where work is, even though I really want to go here. So let's say three months go by and this event without sending me any money just cancels. And I'm like, dang it. So then I reach out to this other event and they're like, sorry, man, we're full. So like, we can't hire you. Now you've just lost out on money from both events because this person canceled. So this is why like those type of things are super important because it helps protect you to where you can get at least something. Yeah. I've had that happen Mm -hmm. recently and it's something it's unfortunate, but something that I need, I had to learn because I'm new in this. So I don't have all this set up yet, but 
because of this now there'll be certain things in place going forward to protect me yeah I do yeah. wish I had like the sense and, and forethought beforehand but just for you all who are new I would say go out go get some mentors ask them about these things run it by them because mm-hmm. that's something I need to do now and I've only been in this for about two three years now it's so crazy definitely it's, it's crazy because like I've gotten lumps on my head bro I had mentors and I had people that gave me advice and told me certain things as well, but I've gotten lumps on my head. So if you're in that situation, you don't need to feel defeated because a lot of the wisdom that I've received from my experiences and the knowledge that I've received from other people have all been from either people that have helped me or from getting lumps on my head and changing. Yeah, I honestly feel like I could go on this topic forever. It's so important to me how we interact as a community and how we're looking towards moving forward. And I felt that especially when we were discussing legacy on the Larissa episode where she was talking about like creating the scene and everything else. And what I feel is like as an artist, sometimes we can get gatekeepy with the stuff that we have. And mm-hmm. it's understandable because it's intellectual property. It's really easy to get st- scammed out of your stuff and somebody take your stuff and make money off your stuff and then kind of screw you over. And so we can be defensive and we can have a lot of gates up. But at the same time, we have to be so fucking for real with ourselves and that we're not gonna be in this business forever. If we wanna build a community, there has to be steady growth. There has to be mm-hmm. constant expansion. And with that means that you cannot have the same grasp and control over everything that you always had. You, There's gonna be more artists coming up. There's mm-hmm. gonna be more organizers coming up. And so instead of trying to be defensive, about this think about how are you paying it forward and how are you building the legacy of the dance like not just your own personal one but of the dance and of the community what knowledge can you pass on that's going to help this next generation to move forward quicker than we were like we we should totally we're not going to be we're not going to be able to i think and black people understand this because we're told this all the time right this part of the burden we carry is that we don't want to spend our lives making the same mistakes that our ancestors did right Mm -hmm. our job as black people, it's what we're raised to do is to forward our gener- forward our yeah. family name way faster than everyone else. And the only way you're going to do that is if you really invest time and the people that have already done it and already been here. And then the generation behind you is investing in the future as well. Like we have to work together better. We should totally do a podcast on, on the importance of mentorship. That would be an amazing episode, I feel. I'm excited. Hey. If you are a, If you have a dance mentor that you absolutely love, that you've had an amazing experience with, shout them out in the comments of this episode. I want to hear, like, what, who should we be talking to about mentorship and dance? Yeah, I Let's agree. Because that, that right there is a, that, that's a, that's an amazing topic that I feel like could be super edifying. Yeah. Should we talk about the channel that we recently created? Oh, Your yes. broadcast channel. Yes. Re- before we do that, I'm going to say one more piece of advice that I would do, and this pertains to hotels. If you're hired for somebody and they promise you a hotel, figure out the hotel that you're booked for, call the hotel and ask them if there's a hotel booked in your name and they will be able to tell you yes or no. And if there is, then you know you're straight. And if there's not, then you might want to ask or be like, hey, have you booked my hotel yet? And then they'll tell you yes or no. That's one way to protect yourself as well before you get there and you're sleeping in the lobby. Yo, honestly... If you really do want to be CIA investigator of a festival, hotels will tell you so much. They will tell you whether the event is booked there, under whose name, how many, like, if you're an artist, they'll have a room block 
sometimes they'll tell you how many rooms are under that room block and whether you're there. If you're an attendee and you're trying to figure out whether a festival is legit going to happen or not, 90% of the time you'll figure it out by being able to call the, the hotel and say, hey, is there an event? Is this event happening at your hotel on this day? And I feel like that's how we've uncovered a lot of scammy festivals is we this call is the festival true. listed, our hotel listed, and they're like, right. we don't know them. That, right. Nope. For sure it's not happening here. Exactly. So yeah, totally agree. All, All right, right. y'all. So here's the wrap for today. Everyone, be mindful of where you're at in your dance journey. Like, Just be for real with yourself and understand that if you have a goal that you're wanting to achieve of being an organizer, of being an artist, or whatever else, it's an amazing goal. And I absolutely love that for you, want it for you. We absolutely need more of that in the community. But don't be so eager to get to the end of the journey that you miss the necessary growth steps to get there. All right, start small. Start with volunteering. Start with helping out local scenes, regular events, work your way up into becoming a full-fledged organizer. Flying one person in at a time versus 20 people to begin with. Yes. All these things are going to make you the organizer that you want to be because realistically, you have one shot at it. You have one shot because what makes an organizer is 90% of their reputation and their name. And so if you get out there, you win your reputation, you ruin your name, and we're all going to miss out on some amazing gifts that you probably had to bring to the scene. So... Let's everyone, and same with artists, Archie was saying a lot about protecting yourself, be discerning and don't be so, don't doubt, I think it's a sign of doubt when you take things that are low standard because you think that's the only thing that's going to come your way. Like mm. have enough faith in your skill and your ability and what you're about to put out there to say, yes, I know I have to grow and I have to learn and not every booking is going to be perfect for me, but I am deserving of having, of knowing that I have a room if that's what's been promised to me. And if I've been promised a flight, then I deserve to have that flight and I don't have to suffer through this booking just to try and make a name for myself. So let's everyone be discerning. Let's everyone use good judgment. Let's everyone be patient with our journey as we grow in the business side of things. Let's everyone work from a place of community love and not ego and understanding that it's great to have these accolades for these big things that people are doing, but they have absolutely worked and put the time in to getting these accolades. They're not just being gassed. Very true. And there's space for all of us, but let's just move in a smart way. And... If you are a listener of the podcast, you want us to do more and we want to do more. I, I, I feel like we have an idea list 20 million things long, but there's only so much time in the day and there's only so many resources that we have right now that we can do it with. So if you want to see us expand and offer you all the crazy things that we have in our head, please join our Patreon. We've got some special treats for you there and we want to keep treating you like we want to really make this a podcast for the community. Yeah, and the Dance Thank No you. Cap podcast broadcast channel on the Instagram. And the Instagram, that where you can actually interact directly with us. So yeah. you can get in there, chat it up with us. We'll be able to chat back with you. And you know we're loud mouse. Like, we love to chat it up. So get in there. Tell us your thoughts, what you think. Let's go. With that, I guess uh, we're going to be out. Love and Peace. light. All right, guys. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Dance No Cap podcast with your hosts, Archie, Jesse, Amber, Ifosa, and Jamil. Hope that you enjoyed. If you want to stay up to date with everything Dance No Cap podcast, head over to our Instagram, our Facebook, our YouTube, or our TikTok and type in Dance No Cap podcast. And until the next episode, stay up. <laughs>